All right. While you're still standing, any children, elementary age, come on up here if you can. If you don't, if you feel comfortable or parents, you can bring them up. Any kiddos, come on up, bud. It's all right. Come on up here. Rosie Rowe, Caleb Zane, you guys come on up here. You guys all right? Any kiddos, come on. If you're elementary age and down, come on up. Yeah, perfect. That takes courage. Come on up, sit by me here. I won't I won't bite, I promise. I'll be pretty nice to you. You want to come up? You got a great shirt on. He's got the Hawaii shirt he's working it, but <laughs> it's all right. <laughs> Okay, let me ask you guys a, a question here. Because, you know, we come together here in this building and we do this thing, this church thing, right? So we call this, anybody know what we call this time that we come together here? Anybody know? Worship, Worship service. That was awesome. You've got that great. That's awesome. Perfect. Now, what does worship mean? Ooh, that's a hard one. Any idea? No? Praise. Praise, that would be part of it. That's pretty pretty good. Let me ask you this. When we're here, what are some of the things that we do while we're here in a worship service? We sing. We sing. That's excellent. What else do we do? We worship, we worship right? What else do we do? Um, what do we do when we kind of sometimes put our hands together like this? Pray. pray, we pray. And what else happens? At the very end, what happens? The boring part. You're being pretty nice. You guys end up going to children's church. That's a lot of the truth. And then, of course, somebody ends up talking, right? Like, I'm going to talk here today. But uh, So when we come together, we get together in this building, and we call it a worship service. Worship is an opportunity to praise. We sing, we pray, we hear some teaching, and that's the idea. You guys are perfect. You can go back to your parents. Give these guys a big hand. All right. You can go back to your dad. So the kids remind us, and I hope that this is an idea. We're coming back into the building, and uh, this is an opportunity for us to kind of review a little bit. What in the world are we doing here? Right? What is the point? Why in the world are we gathered here? I hope you remember, but if not, maybe we'll go through a couple of things. Maybe there's an opportunity to learn a couple of things. And the kids remind us, of course, that sometimes it's easy to maybe misunderstand or not even know what's going on. There's a story about a family that visits a church, and in the back of the church, because of the history of this, this church congregation, there's a big wall plaque that has the names of the, the people who had died in the military service. And so while a, the, the, one of the children is standing out there looking at all these names on this plaque, the preacher walks by and he asks the preacher, what's the plaque all about? And he says, well, that's a list of all the people that have died in the service. And the kid says, the kid says man, your sermons must be long around here, right? Because it's like, what in the world are we doing here? Hopefully we've got a purpose. And these little things might, might remind me, actually somebody told me before we got started here, you know, those would work at a ski area. I think you're right, those would work. But here's what I'd like you to do. Get your Bible out. We're going to look at Scripture. There's some black books in front of you there. Those are New American Standard Version of the Bible. You may have brought your own. I hope that you did. We'd like to learn a couple things from Scripture today. That's the idea. And uh, interestingly, 
Interestingly, how many times, I'm going to ask this question out to you as adults now, how many times do you think Jesus taught specifically about worship? The Greek word worship, which means to fall down to a door, to hold somebody up as a superior, how many times do you think Jesus addressed that issue? Guesses? None? Nope, there's more than that. Three. Isn't that interesting? Three times. Once was with Satan in his great time of his temptation in the wilderness. Satan said, well, if you just bow down and worship me, this whole thing is over. The gig is up. And Jesus said, no, you only worship God. That's one of the three. The second one is a time actually later in his ministry when the Pharisees come and say to him, hey, Jesus, why aren't your disciples doing all of the the ceremonies and the washings and all the things and the traditions of the law that anybody who's a teledim, a follower of a rabbi, should be doing. And Jesus said, you guys are missing the point because you think it's about all of those activities and you're missing what worship is really all about. And the third one is here in John. Turn to John chapter 4. It's page 73 in the back half. Those Bibles have a page numbering system where the second half, the New Testament, starts at page 1. Matthew starts at page 1. So in the very back end of the Bible, to the right side, if you go to page 73, we'll look at John chapter 4. And I'm going to start, well, I'll start right in verse uh, 7-ish, and then we'll go through. We're going to move along pretty quickly, so you've got to move with me here. There came a woman of Samaria to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. Jesus, what is he doing in Samaria? This is the place where they're the hated enemies. Well, he had to go through there. After the, the wedding in Cana, he brings his disciples and his followers through there. And he sits at this well, and a woman comes up to him, and he says, give me a drink. Unheard of for a rabbi, especially a Jew, to be speaking with any Samaritan, much less a Samaritan woman, in a public place. But he addresses her. She says to him, well, you don't have anything. How are you going to get any water out of here? He says to her, I would love to give you some living water. Here's the verse, verse 14. Whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never thirst, but the water that I'll give him will become in him a well of water springing up to eternal life, something internal that changes. So she says, give me some of this water. And he says, go get your your husband's. And she says, well, I don't have a husband. And he says, yeah, that's right. You've had five of them, and there's a bunch of other stuff in your story. And she says, sir, I perceive that you're a prophet, verse 19, (laughs) that you know what is going on here. And the classic deflection, and you know, our people... We, we worship on Mount Gerizim here in Samaria, and you worship there in Jerusalem. Which place is right? Classic deflection. Don't really want to talk about my husbands. And Jesus says to her, Believe me, verse 21, there's an hour coming when neither in this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But an hour is coming, and it's now right upon us, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. 
is a very critical starting point of a discussion that had not been had on this level with the Jews prior to this. Prior to this, it's a very physical activity. You go, you line up, you bring your offerings, you do the things that you have to do, you walk through the rituals, and that's it. Jesus says, I'm looking for spiritual worship and head-mind-truth worship. Different equation. For such people, the Father seeks to be His worshipers. Verse 24, God is spirit. Those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. She comes to the conclusion that Jesus knows what He's talking about. Worship, then, He recalibrates worship in this passage. Now, if that was the only one, it would be worth looking at that. But let's also look at some other things. Ephesians chapter 4, it's page 152. Slide all across back through there, closer to the back end. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 21. Nice to hear those pages rustle. Ephesians 4, 21. If you had one of these cool little tools, you just push the buttons and it takes you right to it. (laughs) So Paul is talking. We'll start back at 17. I say this and affirm together with the Lord, walk no longer as the Gentiles walk in the futility of the mind. The way that your old pattern was of thinking was not productive. It was futile. Skip down to verse 20. You did not learn Christ in this way, the way of your old thinking. If indeed you have heard him and been taught in him, truth is in Jesus. Truth is in Jesus. A fascinating little phrase. Truth. Now, if Jesus said, worship in spirit and in truth, somehow we're getting at something here. Truth is in Jesus. That in reference to your former manner of life, lay aside the old self, Uh, But B, verse 23, renewed in the spirit of your mind, put on the new self. Here it even combines the spirit and the mind together. Renewed, renewed, put on the new self, which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and the holiness of the truth. We're on to something. Therefore, verse 23, lay aside falsehood, but speak truth. Be angry, but don't sin, verse 26. Verse 28, if you stole, quit stealing. Perform what's good with your hands so that you'll have something to share. Verse 29, let no unwholesome words come from your mouth. Only words that are good for edification and building up in the moment so that you'll give grace to those who hear. Verse 30, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Did you know you can do that? Did you know in this gathering you could do that? Even when you come to church? Do you ever think about that? You could be about the business here that was actually disappointing to God while you're sitting in the chair in church. I've done it. And if you're honest, you've done it too. I can remember a day when I would sit in these chairs. I was a pastor, a youth pastor. I would sit in the chairs and I'd be listening to the pastor kind of start down into his sermon and I'd go, huh, Heard this one. Of course I've heard it, right? Of course I've heard it, but I'd go, hmm, heard this one. In my mind, I'd just start playing a golf course in my head. 
Nobody around me knew. There's no evidence on the outside that's what was happening. I was grieving the Holy Spirit in the process. Verse 31, let all these things, bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, slander, put away with you with malice. But, verse 32, be kind, tenderhearted, forgiving. Verse 1 of 5, be imitators of God, because that's the point. Put all of these things off that are going on around you. Now skip over to verse 10. Learn what is pleasing to the Lord. Don't participate in the unfruitful deeds of the darkness. He's talking about these contrasts of what you're doing. Here's a perfect verse 14 for a sermon. For this reason it says, Awake, you sleeper! (laughs) Perfect sermon verse, because sometimes we get caught in that mode as well. 15. Be careful how you walk. 17. Understand what the will of the Lord is. And don't get drunk with wine, because this is a waste of your time. It dissipates your energy. But be filled with the Spirit. And you speak to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. You sing and you make melody in your heart to the Lord. You always give thanks for the things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you are subject to or you submit to one another in Christ. Do you hear the culture of that? Ladies and gentlemen, that's the culture of what a worship service context should be about. This whole culture is what we're doing. Those verses about singing and making melody are not isolated informational pieces. There's a culture. Put off the old way of life, put on the new way of life. Now, turn with me also over to the book of Colossians. I know I'm running you around, but not super far. Page 158, couple of pages over. Colossians 3. It'll probably, you'll probably get there faster than I do with this crazy thing. Colossians 3, verse 1. We're going to go through the, here. Therefore, if you've been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above. Verse 2, set your mind on things above, not on things here on the earth. If you want a really good, simple instruction for how to come to and be in worship in a culture of a gathering like this, set your minds on things above and quit worrying about the stuff at your job or the place you're going to go eat lunch later. It's good advice. Verse 5, consider the members of your earthly body dead to these things. He goes through the same kind of process that he did with the Ephesians, listing to put off these things. Go down to verse 10. Put on the new self, which being renewed in a true knowledge. Paul says the same idea. There's truth here. True knowledge, according to the image of the one who created him. Verse 12, As those chosen of God, set apart and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another, forgiving. These sound just like the fruits of the Spirit in Galatians, right? That's exactly what they are. They're an outcome of the Holy Spirit. Verse 14, beyond all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, in your spirit, in the worship in spirit and in truth, in your spirit, let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. Dietrich Bonhoeffer has some fascinating information about peace. He says, look, peace is super risky. It has nothing to do with security. 
Because security is, I'm going to take measures to make sure that things go my way. I'm going to get what I want. I'm going to have the outcome on the other side of this that is my preference. Peace is completely different because peace says, I'm going to trust God with the outcome. How often do you come to this or any other worship context and you say, whatever the outcome is, whoever is up there at whatever skill level, whatever opportunity is here, I'm going to trust God with the overall outcome of this. As opposed to the security approach, which is, I'm going to hedge all my bets. I'm going to manipulate and make sure that I get the people up there singing that I want to hear singing. I'm going to get the person up there speaking that I want to hear speaking. I'm going to make sure that the room is the right color and, you know, all of the other things. Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. And, verse 16, let the word of Christ rule. Richly dwell within you with wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another. This is now worship in spirit, and now this is worship in truth. Let the word of Christ wash into your mind. Teach one another, admonish one another with psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts. And whatever you do, word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you hear the context of a worship gathering there? This is not just this isolated verse about singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Worship is woven into the context of a culture of people, and that's the body of Christ. Last one, Romans chapter 12. It's going to be page 126 in those Bibles. Romans 12. This is a foundational verse in Scripture. Romans 12, verse 1. If you've read the first 11 chapters, then you stand right up here and you go, Therefore, by the way, almost all of these passages have started with a therefore. And the reason the therefore is therefore is because Paul has built a whole culture of theology and doctrine where he has said, here's... Here's the mindset. Here's what God has done in the background while Christ was here and as he died and was raised from the dead. This is what God has done. Therefore, here's what you do. Here's the practical side. I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice. Acceptable to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. It actually is logical. The word in Greek is logical. It's both spiritual and logical at the same time. What? How could that be? Well, because in light of all that God has done up to this point to build us to this case, it is the rational and it's also the deeply meaningful and spiritual response to offer yourself to God as a holy sacrifice. Verse 2, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what God's will is. It's a renewing of a mind. At the same time, it's a holy sacrifice. It's an offering. Both and at the same time. 
Now, I don't have the time to go back through. I wish I could. I'd love to unpack this with you sometime, go through all of the details. But let me just read you a couple of the verbs that came up in those passages. First of all, worship yourself, worship in spirit and in truth. In Ephesians, use wisdom, understanding, be filled with the Holy Spirit, speak, sing, make melody, give thanks, submit to other people's best interest. Put on the fruits of the Spirit. Bear with each other. Forgive. Let peace rule. Let the word of Christ dwell. Teach, admonish, sing. Do all in Christ's name. Three times in that passage, he says, with thankfulness, offer your bodies. Serve spiritually. Be transformed. Renew your mind and prove God's will. Those are the verbs. And I know that's like drinking from a fire hose. Those are the verbs. Worship is not remotely just getting up in the morning and going to church. It's not remotely that. That is a tiny little piece. Is it good that you did it? Oh yeah, you betcha. Glad you did. But it is literally about a culture, building a culture an environment. And there's two great big main components that if you walk away with today that our worship is about, I hope you can walk out of here and know this in your head. First of all, it is an exercise of the Spirit. When Jesus is talking to the woman at the well, He said to her, this is not just about finding a place. Who cares what the location is? Don't even care. This is not just about showing up and doing the rituals That's what he said to the Pharisees in his other conversation. This is about an exercise of your spirit and a training of your mind. A gathering of of believers in a context, whether it's here, it was out at the amphitheater, it's 10,000 people or 10. The idea is it's an exercise of the spirit and it's a renewing and a training of the mind. It's as simple as that. It's also as complex as that. (laughs) But that's the idea. That's what we're here to do. The goal is, honestly, integrating worship, those two things, exercising your spirit and training your mind into your entire lifestyle. It took me a long time. You know what these uh, crazy little phones, these silly things, they cost ridiculous amounts of money. But anybody know what this is? It's an iPhone. Do you know what the I stands for? See, I didn't know either. (laughs) That makes me feel better. The I stands for integrated. It doesn't mean I, me. I thought for a long time it was like the personal pronoun. No, it stands. It's short for integrated. And the idea was, let's get all of these tools that we use and all of these approaches and let's get them together in one tool that actually is integrated to give us everything that we need. That's the idea of these gatherings, is to give you an integrated opportunity to exercise your spirit when we're singing, when we're praying, when we're giving, when we're doing different liturgies, if we're taking the Lord's Supper, if there's baptism, whatever. We engage in those as an exercise of the spirit. It's it's a pouring out to God. And a pouring in from God. 
And it's also, in the gathering, an opportunity for us to train our minds and to think and to process and to integrate then what we get here into our daily lifestyle. That's the idea. Thanks for that. Appreciate it, Ron. You may remember, uh, here's the goal. As I'm up here, as we're planning, as we're thinking through the week, as uh, we're talking all the different components, we're working together through the music set or whatever, the goal is not just to have some music that sounds good. The goal is not just to have a little bit of excitement. The goal is not just to keep you awake. The goal is we hope that you get some information and you get some inspiration attached to that, and then it actually becomes an application. Do you remember, how many of you watched the movie Castaway? Did you see that movie, Castaway? Do you remember when the porta potty wall washed up on the beach? You remember that scene? And Tom Hanks pulled that thing out of the, out of the water, and he set it up, set it up in the sand, and he squatted back behind it, and he looked at 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 it. He's like, this thing might be useful to me somehow. Just then, a gust of wind came over his shoulder and hit the front of that, that porta potty wall, and it fell over. And do you remember the look on his face? <gasps> he was like, oh, I know exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going to use this thing as a sail. It's not a porta potty. It's a sail. Our deepest desire, as we put together what happens from this platform or all of the culture of this entire environment that we hope to build, our deepest desire is that at times for you, you will have those moments. Now, as you progress along the journey of Christianity, the moments happen fewer. They do. Because as you're newer, there's all kinds of new stuff to learn. As you get older, those moments I know happen a little less frequently. But that's part of the deal. And that's why I have these crazy things up here. You've been wondering the whole time, what in the world are these silly things up here? Well, you know me. I've got to have something visual that you'll walk away with. So here's what I think. Now, first of all, ski signs are not in the Bible. Okay? I'm just going to put that right out front. The the trail marking system is not scriptural or unscriptural on any any level. Okay, It has nothing to do that. I'm not trying to, de- to defend it at that level. Also, this conversation I'm going to go into here is not about the capacity as to where you could eventually land. Okay, Because here's the truth. The goal, God's goal for every single one of you in every chair in here is to get to this level in your spiritual walk. Because I think that these are good little reference points for us to kind of ask ourselves how we're doing. Where are we? On our spiritual journey, what have we gotten back to? Now, remember, because this isn't like saying that you're a less than, this isn't even about your age, by the way, because I've met some young Christians in their 20s who are here. I've also met some Christians in their 60s who are still here. And you have too. And sometimes it's because of when they came to Christ. Sometimes they got stuck there in truth. So it's not just about the capacity. But do you remember when you were 
approaching skiing or snow riding, and you came up to these things, and you're like, yeah, I can do this, right? I can do that. That's, that's exciting to me. That's fun. But do you remember the drive that you had to get to doing one of those? Remember that? Remember that? That motivation? That's part of the approach that you should bring here, is keep going up that trail. Keep moving forward. Keep advancing. That's the idea. Now, guys, here's another part of this aspect that, is, that makes this a little tricky. The Bible, all those verses that we read, all of the references in the New Testament are written at this level. I've heard it referred to as the paragon principle. The paragon is the highest perfect example. The Bible is written at that level. This is all of those examples of what are you shooting for is way up maturity. Actually, the spirit, the mind, the attitude, the emotions, the approach of Jesus Christ becoming more and more full in you to the point where you just you assume from that person that that's a Christian and a biblical and a right mindset. It's written, the paragon principle is the Bible's written at this level. But we approach it on all these different levels of development. How do we get to here without just saying, that's too hard? I'll tell you how we get there. It's called discipleship. Jesus designed this gathering also to be an opportunity for people on all these different levels to encounter each other. And the goal is, on the back end, if you're up on that right end in the black or the double black, that you're looking for people in these levels to engage with and disciple so that they don't get discouraged here and say, I'm never going to be hucking off the cliffs spiritually. It's too hard. Not interested. I'm out. The goal is for us to say, okay, if I'm here, if I'm here... I don't just come here with me in mind. Did you hear all the verbs about other people being first? Love for each other. Encouragement. Words of building up. Why? Because there's people here that need engagement with people here. Now, you come and you say, what's my approach? Well, I'll tell you, your approach here is totally dependent on where you are. Where are you? You may go, I'm not sure. Now, again, this isn't a biblical reference point, but it should give you a moment to stop and reflect. Are you still kind of in the very early stages? You're still, you you don't even know what you don't know yet. You know, you're, you're, you're just getting started. You're, you kind of still got your gear underneath you like this spiritually. You're just trying, but you're on the trail. That's great. Nothing wrong with being there. Just don't stay there. I'll be real honest with you. You're looking me in the eye, I hope. I see most of you right now. I know a bunch of people that are stuck right in here. Right there. They're pretty competent. They've read through their Bible they know some things. They can speak pretty... They, they know the Christian lingo. They can speak pretty confidently about some things. Actually, some things have changed in their behavior to where they're living a different way. But they're kind of tired 
of wanting to work as hard to get up here. We are actually teaching others. We are actually willing to do the hard work to dig into the Bible. We really would actually go after some maybe even original language stuff. What did that really mean? Where you're willing to engage people, get them together in a group, and say, hey, let's take a run at this. What what did God mean in that passage? And that's too hard. And a bunch of people, a bunch of Christians get stuck right here. Right in there. And don't take that step. My strong advice to you for this year as we come back into this building, evaluate yourself. If you're here, awesome. Look around, start conversations, find somebody who's up there and hang on to them. <laughs> hang on. Go along for the ride. Prioritize it. Make it part of your life. If you're in here, you might keep your eye open for one of these, but you still need influence from these guys. Don't give up. Don't get stuck. Don't become weary and well-doing, was the phrase that Paul used. Doing good things, but I'm kind of tired, so I'm kind of, this is where I've been for three years. If you're these guys in here and up to here, and you know a good bit, and you've got some things to offer, and you've done some research, and you're, from, you're comfortable reading any version of the Bible, and you're totally good to talk about different, uh, you know, kind of, ambiguous concepts in Scripture, and you're happy and you're interested in that, keep moving up the trail to where you can handle the Word well enough to actually teach it to others so that you don't just hang out with all of these black diamond knuckleheads. You're coming back and looking for these guys and engaging in them. That's the approach. That's the idea. Where are you? Let's pray. Lord, thanks for the words from Christ, the teaching, the clarification from Paul. There's a a number of other things we could have unpacked. There's so many verbs in there. There's so many things we can do. Um, Encourage those who are up the ladder a little bit to go back, review these passages, ask themselves the real honest question in the mirror. Am I this person when I approach a worship gathering? Is this what comes off of me? Am I setting the example here? Help them to grow into that position, more so this year even. And God, also, for those who are younger, who are earlier in the trails, uh, give them courage, give them strength, put people around them uh, so that they also may come along. May we approach worship this time of a recalibration, a training of our mind, and also an exercise, a life into our spirit. May we come with that in mind, come well prepared, and offer ourselves as living sacrifices. We pray that in Christ's name. Amen. Amen.